And we are back. Josh Schaefer here on the DO Sportscast with our football beat one more time. Eric Black to my right, Andrew Graham to my left. He we'll knows right versus left. We'll be going across your radio screen this evening. Um, fellas, the football season is over. Syracuse football, which started the season ranked in the top 25, following a 10-3 year, finished 5-7. and 2-6 and six in the ACC. Not the year we predicted. We'll get into that in a little bit. Not the year many expected. We'll talk about what's to come. For now, I want to go straight to Eric, who covered the final game. Syracuse hosting Wake Forest. A win for the Orange, which I don't think any of us picked. Nope. Nope. I almost picked it because it would have put me above... I thought uh, about fading you sh- to try to yeah. you guys because I was below you guys. I was so below. I was tied with but Graham. Should have triple fade, you know, round robin. The and final I was round. like, wow, I could. And Andrew picked before me in the dock, so I saw it and I was like, oh, I could just pick Syracuse to pick Syracuse for the win. And I said, nah, I'd rather just tie. <laughs> Drill Williams had you, man. Just guarantee a tie. Yeah, I was like, well, I could guarantee a tie by picking Wayne. If you had picked that, Trill Williams would have been like, oh, I can crib this for Kendall Coleman and Schaefer's prediction. <laughs> Like, house call. We motivated the team by not picking them. 100%. So they, they definitely really Is that what they did. said post-game, Eric? What would yeah. they have to say post-game? They were like, hey, we, we read your guys' B-Rider predictions uh, for this game. <laughs> though, uh, I believe they were posted like an hour before the game started because that was on us. We just did it super There was late. a chance Scoop Bradshaw read them. Then. But Dino was in, the, he was in the locker room pre-game and just read the B-Rider predictions and that, that inspired them. So what did they actually say post-game? <laughs> no, so post-game was actually one of the, the cooler press conferences of the whole season. Um, obviously, Dino went first, and afterwards, um, it was Tristan, uh, Jackson, Trill Williams. Um, and then, like, 70 for, 75% of the media left, um, and we waited about 15 minutes. Um, and then Clayton Welch and Kendall Coleman were the last to speak. Um, so that was, that was a pretty cool thing for me, um, just having the seniors talk at the end. Um, also... There being like no media there, so it's just basically me having a conversation with the two of them. Um, but they're at the podium, right? At the podium, yeah. Those are the most awkward. So there's like, yeah, there's like just as many people, like just as many media, like in the seats than like the two. people. You should have just like party. stood up and like casually leaned on the table. Which is always weird. Exactly that like happens people. a lot in the away games too, because people yeah. are kind of scattered, and then guys are on travel, like the whole nine, mm. and. You end up just looking up at one person, and you guys are kind of just talking, and they're yeah. on it, an it, elevated it, surface. It was like me and the Louisville SID interviewing Mo Neal last week. It was kind of odd. It was really weird. Like I thought, I'll give a quick shout out to Mike Morrison, Syracuse SID. He's been a treat to work with the last two years. I thought he was about to cut in with a question just to like keep it moving. <laughs> it was so so empty. Um, I guess Eric, what else? Uh, why do you think Syracuse did win the last game? What do you think they did differently? That's a great question. Um, I think it was interesting. I kind of wrote about it in the game. Where, like they ca- they kept the same mentality. Um, a lot of us, um, like us three included, kind of like once they lost to Lever, they're like, all right, season's over. Um, the, they're not going to make a bowl game. They don't have too much to play for. Aside from the seniors, um, big shout to to Josh Schaefer's senior. They call him. Um, DailyOrange.com. Uh, no, but they, they kept that same mentality. Um, it was weird. The first half, I think I touched you guys. I was like, yeah, Wake Forest looked like they're trying to lose this game. Uh, Syracuse yeah. went up 70-6 at halftime. It looked like it was going to be just positive, like, oh, good, ended, a, ended a good note despite a bad season. Um, and then Wake Forest scores in their first two touchdowns of the second half, uh, first two possessions of the second half. And I was like, all right, here's Syracuse. They're, they're back to being Syracuse. Um, but no, it was, it was crazy. They, the crowd got into it, uh, and the crowd stayed throughout. Um, which is something we really haven't seen this season. 
Um, and they, I don't know if it was senior day, if it was just like a let's win for our seniors, let's just go on the high note. But they, they kept it together. Um, they stayed positive. Um, they kept fighting the same way they fought uh, in the first week of the season. Yeah. I, it was a classic game where you've seen a team make so many mistakes over and over and over again, and then when they don't make them and they finally win, you're just like, wow. Like, the talent was there. Yeah, when I look back at Syracuse's season, they're like realistically like a bad first quarter at Maryland and like a couple bounces at NC State or something like that away from being like seven and five, at least six and six. Like on balance, Syracuse really wasn't that bad this year. It was definitely a regression, but I don't think a five and seven record could have just as easily been seven and five. Oh, absolutely. Like in hindsight. Um and with that, I'm, I'm going to go with that for a second. I'm just going to apologize for the echo chamber that's probably occurring right now. Yeah, it's pretty bad. In uh, our new our new home here on, I believe we're in, what are we in? 230 two, Euclid Avenue. 230 Euclid Avenue, uh, RIP 744 Ostrom. Yeah, Still standing, our old office, but uh, we are in <laughs> Mike Dooling's general, man, our general manager's his, office. His palatial new home. His office is It is a lot more, bigger. It's a lot bigger. It has a higher ceiling, too. Than the old room. office we were in, and I think that's causing serious echo problems. We also haven't unpacked the boxes where the mic is, so this is just being recorded on a laptop, <laughs> which in hindsight probably wasn't the best decision. But we are uh, right, right kitty corner with WAER, the original home of the Orange, which was invented... Perhaps we're picking up good sound from them. Yeah. Thanks, AER. Yeah, well, I mean, they're the original home of the Orange, but their medium was invented after the Daily Orange started then in publication, so... Um, but we digress. We digress into where this season went wrong, which is where I was going to carry on from <laughs> what Andrew was talking about. What game, what moment in the game, when at all, did you guys think this, this isn't a bowl team, this can't be a bowl team... This is starting to unravel. I mean, especially especially with the beauty of hindsight, the Maryland loss is really, okay, really so, bad. Yeah, well, I did not but, say but now. But I'm, I'm going back to, I was sitting in the press box, and I think when it was like, tw- when it was 14 nothing, it was sort of like, okay, Maryland's got some things dialed up they like, and Syracuse can't stop it. <laughs> and when it was 21 nothing, you were like, oh, they're... Falling apart like I saw them fall apart when they played like Lamar Jackson and like they just can't do anything. And from then on out, they didn't. Their only two like good games before like the Wake Forest or Duke game between them were against Holy Cross and Western Michigan. So for clarity, did you know that Maryland was then going to stumble to? No idea. I thought. Okay. That, I thought. I they just were... didn't know if you could literally see no. the future or only for Syracuse. You could see the future. Well, it's, you see that for Syracuse. <laughs> hey. You see Syracuse do that, and you think, oh, no, they're 2016 Syracuse, they're 2017 Syracuse. Whether Maryland went on to be 8-4 and four or not, or 4-8 and eight or 3-9, and nine, however they were, it was still just completely probably the worst quarter of football Syracuse has played in the last two seasons. So, Eric, did you write them off week one or in August? Uh, if we're now just deciding that when we all wrote our predictions, that's where Graham had them apart. at... At ten and oh. two, and I had them at nine and three, and you had them at nine and three. Yeah. But wh- when did it start? Uh, when did it start coming apart? For no, you? for me, I think it was a mix of two games. Uh, one, NC State, because um, NC State they're coming off the two wins versus Holy Cross or Western Michigan. NC State's not the not a great uh, football team, so we're like, all right, we figure this is their first like 
Or they get play, an ACC yeah, get an ACC win. win, get under belt, beat a Power Five team, uh, improve to what four and two? I think they would be at that point. Would have had a little um, momentum going at that. Point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, all right. And then throughout the game, you're like, oh, wait, is this this is happening? Like they're gonna blow this game? Like this is just a horrible game. They didn't score until like the third or fourth quarter. Um, and then it was that game, and then Boston College. Um, because Boston <laughs> College, we were like, all right, this is... That was the real red flag game. Yeah, they are like, all right, they have a... We know AJ Dillon's a very good football player. Um, and good we know thing. it's hard to, to stop him from doing that that thing very well. Um, and then we found out pretty quickly that they just had no chance at all to do it. Second quarter... Second quarter of Boston College might be the worst they, they have competing quarters. Um, yeah, so it was a mix of those two games. Once they started, like, just getting run off the field by Boston College. Again, it was like a deja vu thing. Like, oh, okay, this is this is definitely well, absurd. They also just had different things fall apart on them at different times, too. Mm-hmm. Of like, the defense just completely went MIA against Maryland. And then it actually played sort of okay against Clemson. They obviously had the two wins against not great teams. And then they held, like, NC State didn't play well, like, offensively. Syracuse's <laughs> defense had a good game. Just the offense was then suddenly terrible. Yeah. And then they, like, could score a bit against BC and couldn't stop them all of a sudden. And, like, the first time this team played a game where all phases of the football played well was Duke. Realistically. Yeah. Yeah. And they kicked well, the crap out of them. You could argue Western Michigan or Holy Cross, but... Yeah. I, 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 Holy I Cross. St- I mean, and I'm not saying that we should really... But I harp on this and spend the next <laughs> ten minutes arguing how much that Holy Cross game mattered. But I do think Syracuse played a pretty complete football game against Holy Cross. I think they allowed seven rushing yards and scored forty something points. True. At I guess at some point, what you want them to do see... it's Holy Cross. No, that's fair. I still I still think it just from my recollection of that game is they they overmatched them, but there were still some of like the issues you were seeing of missed missed IDs and like pass blocking and stuff like that was still cropping up. Um, for me. I would go on my solo trip to Tallahassee. <laughs> um, Lovely, beautiful, scenic, central Florida. <laughs> yeah. Panhandle. The depressing vibe of Doe Camel Stadium. Uh, definitely Half-empty homecoming. Half-empty homecoming. It just really epitomized how bad Florida State was this was, year. Did Willie Taggart get fired? It was like the week. Yeah, the week. They won that game, After. then lost. Then, then he, he got, got fired, fired right? right. Okay. And so losing to a team that's coaches getting fired is never good. <laughs> no. Never good. No. And Florida State, as was stated before the game, I think by Dino at some point, and has been in the past, is, I mean, they have dudes down there, for Ta- sure. Tamian Terry is one of the best receivers in the they, country. They have like, four yeah. and five star dudes still. Whether or not they're playing well, they still have big big guys. Fast guys. But yeah. Syracuse just didn't show enough in that game. And it was another, I think it was seven sacks that day. That was, that was the fourth that was, straight... Ryan Power Alexander five. left the team. Ryan Alexander just quit the team yep. that week. Yep. Like, it was just, oh, wow, this really is as bad like, as it feels. Just, like, like this doesn't feel good at all. It's not a couple things are holding them back. They're just, like, not that good this year. Right. And at that point, we had written the column the week before on if they'd make a bowl game or not. Well, shout out me. They were close. <laughs> shout but, out me. I was right. <laughs> yeah, but for a second. <laughs> like, for a second, it, a looked second. Like, it looked like it wasn't even going to be close. Wait, wait, wait. We don't, we don't get in a thing where one person was right and one person was wrong, you just gave yourself points for being not <laughs> yeah. that wrong. I created this podcast for a reason. <laughs> My 30-second sound off is just going to be the absurdity of that argument. Um. Anyway, I hadn't thought through fully that I wasn't going to pick them to win at Florida State when I picked them to make a bowl game. 
but I did assume that they'd beat BC. I didn't assume, but like in had, that, had a real in the context of writing that they would make a bowl game, I yes. did. Like I had BC down as a win, so I guess it flipped there as well. The BC game was just a real unpinning of just okay. terrible, terribleness. Yeah, and I think like this, like Syracuse with a little momentum maybe goes into Louisville and like plays with a little more. Like I'm not gonna say they didn't play hard, but like has has something in the tank. But it just coming off that BC loss, like even beating up Duke didn't feel like it was necessarily like a fix. Like Syracuse had fixed yeah. the problems. They had just finally like beaten the worst team. Played a terrible team and like finally found a team they were in the ACC they were clearly better than. Mm-hmm. Just like didn't played mistake. Like Syracuse was a team that wasn't good enough to like outplay its mistakes this year. Right. And it made a lot of them and it sort of hit like if they played cleaner games, didn't fumble as much, didn't give as as many sacks, fewer penalties they're comfortably, comfortably seven and five, eight and four. Yes, if they did a lot of things better, they would have been. But like, it's not. It's maybe not. I would hammer home that. I mean, since we're 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 all about the hot takes. If Syracuse was a better football team, they'd have won more games. They did all the bad things, but good. (laughs) But I mean, penalties are something that I'm not gonna like. It is coaching. It's also like guys getting overwhelmed and holds and like young offensive linemen. Like, it's so hard to imagine they're gonna be like third or fourth to last in the country in penalties and third to last in the country in sacks mm-hmm. two years in a row. And, like, the, those are things that just, like, they're so bad. So what's bad. your one thing – we can start getting positive here. What's your one thing that you think is definitely better next year, or at least is to look forward to this offseason? The Tommy DeVito-Trishan Jackson connection will be one of the best in the ACC next year. Short of, like, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross. and uh, There's a couple other out there, but I think – that can really be when you think of a lot of, like, when Syracuse's offense was really good, it was Eric Dungey throwing to Amba Adetalo, Eric Dungey throwing to Steve Ishmael. And I think Syracuse has a one of its better crop of sort of underlying talent behind their number one receiver. But Trisha Jackson is seriously uh, – he could have back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, which would be really, really impressive. Oh, I yeah. Think, I mean, I think, I think there's just, no reason to predict otherwise. He just is yeah. clearly the best receiver on the team. Eric, make me smile. What are you looking forward to? I, I'm, I like Andrew's pick, but I think the, like I like the the talent in the running back room. That's all they said this preseason, and like they just weren't <laughs> good running the ball this year. Um, but I truly think, and a, a lot of it comes to the offensive line as well, obviously. But with the offensive line having another year under its belt, um, Jawar Jordan so showed some really nice yeah. flashes. Jarvion Howard, J- played Jawar well Jordan, his, will have me watching Syracuse. His uh, Abdul Adams kind of disappointed, um, but they're going to have a lot of talent in the running back room next season. I think. With the offensive lines improvement, with the passing game probably also getting better, um, a lot of lanes in the running game. Sad to see Chris Elmore go. Integral part of Syracuse's, sure. you know, thin power running set of plays. I have two. One is the offensive line. They have a good core of three guys coming. Well, here's my thing: you now have get worse. You have Carlos Vettorello and Matthew Bergeron coming back. They got like three more years ahead of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. It's not even necessarily like them coming back for next year. It's the fact that the they just after. used their first year of eligibility yeah. and their offensive linemen at Syracuse. They're probably going to stay four years. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so by the even time Dakota, those guys are four year starters, Davis has two more years. I guess right? it's it's hard to call Matthew Bergeron a four year starter at that point. I mean, you didn't play that many games this year, but. <laughs> Point three, but <laughs> well, three. Did he start? No, he started four games, didn't he? Wasn't Florida State the four? Yes, yes. Okay, Last. I thought you said point three. You're saying three point three seasons. 
Yeah, as like a start. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Getting technical. This is what our car rides are like. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think once you see the experience kind of really come through for those guys, it'll be big. And that's the same thing you're looking at in the backfield in defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trill Williams is good. Andre and Cisco. Andre Cisco. He's going to graduate with like 25 career interceptions, yeah. which is a lot. <laughs> Mel Famu has flashed at times too. I think. Like, they're going to lose some guys there, definitely, that will hurt. Evan Foster's been in the back forever. Chris Frederick's been at corner for a I long think Eric time. I think Eric Coley could surprise you. Yeah, Antoine Cordy. Antoine Cordy, all 31 years yeah. of his college football experience. And so, <laughs> you'll definitely see some spots there maybe get hurt, but I think the individuals and seeing how good some of those guys get could oh, yeah. be very fun They have, fun like, three watch. bona fide, like, NFL prospects in the secondary. Yeah, probably. Realistically, between Trill, Iffy, and Andre Sesco. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, whether they pan out, who knows. But, like, Trill Williams is sort of that, like, nickel box, like, modern hybrid defender teams love. Like, this makes plays. You can do, yeah, you can put them sort of wherever on the field. Andre Sesco just catches the football when it's not meant for him to catch it a lot. And if Atomelofanu is a six foot two cover corner. One more from this year, and one more, one more question, one superlative, the easiest one, preseason, because everyone just picks the quarterback. I don't think anyone's going to pick the quarterback this year, although I don't know, maybe Eric will. Um, who was the most valuable player on the Syracuse roster this year? Eric, we'll go to you first. I'm going to go with Tristan Jackson. Um, we knew he was good coming into this year. But yeah, I figured he was. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I think I got a sneaky one. Yeah, for I mean, you. I have another he one. Had, he had a touchdown in the bowl game last year. Um, I personally didn't think he would be this good. I knew he was talented. I knew, like, if you go to play Michigan State, you're a good football player. Um, but he well, just, back when they were good. Well, yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he surprised me. Um, without top five in the ACC in, like, catches, yard, touchdowns. Like, I didn't see that coming at all, um, especially with the Syracuse offense that was super consistent throughout the whole year. He was one of the lone consistent players. Uh, I'm going to say Lakeem Williams, actually. I was going to say yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout-out. He finished, like, what? I, that was actually going to be my... Uh, yeah, super, like, he was, like... He was tied for first in the ACC in tackles. Yeah, right? like, yeah. He, he sort of filled up, like, Ryan Guthrie and Kylan Whitner really came on the second half of last season and, lot, like, really elevated the play of Syracuse's linebacking core, and I think that sort of directly correlated with their defense really finishing the season strong. And I think Lakeem Williams was sort of at that level for a whole season. I'm not going to say Syracuse's defense was infallible this year, but he really looked from day one like a competent, fast nose for the ball, like not rare, like not commonly out of position. Like he had his gaffes, just like everyone on the defense did. But I think, especially in the second half of the season, he was just—it seemed he was always there on the ball. He's so quick laterally. He he, he, he gets, can move sideline to sideline. He gets to fast. the hole on the run run game. Like he just he he moves really well through traffic. And I, I was really impressed with, oftentimes, you know, like a Juco guy who's quick and, like, knows for the football just gets, like, shrugged off. Like, he's a short tackler. Like, he was one of the few guys who was, like, sticking A.J. Dillon. I'll give an honorable mention to uh, Sterling Hoffrichter, too, the only first-team ACC. Mention yeah. him. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take Sterling Hoffrichter. <laughs> I'll give you, give you uh, I was going to just go back to Christian again, but I... I mean, when you look at this football team and who was the best player at their position, 
Sterling Hofdrecker very much with it's the Ray guy. He's a Ray guy finalist with yeah. like Utah's punter. And he might win guy. that. Good. He's good. <laughs> He's really, really good. Really good. He he will an NFL team will have him kick footballs for them. Yeah, yeah, and it, he was like the most surefire NFL player on this team, I think. And that's not to bring down anyone else on the team. No, I think there's, just a, there's like, several NFL players in this team. But Sterling Hofdrecker was very good at punting. He yeah, was yeah. very good at booting the ball, and the hang time was absurd. Yeah, he, he he's versatile. Because that's the thing that you really need to look at this year, too. How many big returns do you remember? I think Liberty he, had one, like, 40-yarder. the ACC, I think, in fair catches. Yeah. yeah. Because th- those are the stats that become impressive. Because it's, like, yardage isn't really that impressive for punters. Because mm-hmm. look at, like, the Louisville game. With how bad the weather well, was and or, stuff. Like, or, the ball's just not going to go or far. Or you're yeah. punting from, like... The other team's forty-eight, and you're only right. trying to kick it like forty yards anyway. Yeah, it's like not. And his numbers, the amount of times SU punted this year, yeah, are the most accurate, biggest sample size, probably. Yeah, close. He he, he got a lot of work in. He got a lot of <laughs> he got a lot of work. In, in he did the work well. He even he even made a, he's he was what, one for one on field like goals 50, this year for like fifty-three. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a leg. No, like I think he's he's he was on track to be the field goal kicker and place kicker last season before Andre Schmidt just like didn't miss in fall camp. So I think that's something, yeah, I think that's something that he'll, he'll come back to or an NFL team might ask him to do because he does have a big leg and he is actually pretty accurate. Um, what if he did both? He yeah. might. Does anyone do that? that? Yeah. I don't think anyone does it. I don't know if anyone, so. currently, no, I don't know. I sure. I, I wonder if the theory is that your leg would get too tired and I guess you'd have to still keep two kickers on the roster anyway. Like it doesn't help you. Right, if you're going to have two of them anyways, you might as well like get one that's really good at one and one that's really good at the other and trust that in a pinch yeah. they can. Because hmm. I, I was thinking save roster spot, but you still need a backup. So, so like, I mean, yeah. you just when you draft Sterling, you just bring his buddy Nolan Cooney with him, <laughs> and then you're good. <laughs> so this is the third class of beat writers that I'll be talking off the final word. The final word started three years ago. What, uh... Who was that? Fortier and Tomer? Uh, it was Sam Fortier's brief, brief, brief stint on the football beat, <laughs> followed by... Joe Bloss. Joe Bloss and Tomer Langer. Okay. And Matthew Gutierrez, we did a podcast after Matthew went to either Florida State or Miami in uh, his Ernie Davis dorm at the time. Shout out Matthew, I'm sure he's listening at minute 21 of the DO Sportscast this week. Um, that's, that's the athletics, Matthew Gutierrez, to be specific. <laughs> Eric... What was your favorite moment from covering the team this year? This can totally be unrelated to anything that actually has to do with Syracuse football. And it's going to be. Um, I, I was thinking at first, um, I, just, I do want to give a shout-out to the pasta salad at Maryland. Um, I think everyone needs to have a food shout-out. Stephen yeah. Bailey will greatly appreciate that you remember that pasta but salad. Ju- but just in general, um, I had never really gone on like any like, legit road trips before for the DO. I had taken one to like Westchester in New York. Um, but just the road trips in general, they were, they were like just an experience I would never have if I wasn't on a football beat. <laughs> College Park, 2K19, woo! Um, like things like that NC State game that Josh and I went down to, just like going to NC State, going to my like, friend's house at Elon like, like 3 a.m., like a, for an hour, sleeping like three hours and driving 10 hours back to Syracuse. It's just like things that I would have never been able to do in college if I hadn't written for the O and like done on the football beat. Been forced to do, I think, is a good... Things get, that weird. Too. Things get weird sometimes yeah. on DO road trips. What do you got? Um, so I, I got 
I'll start with like my food thing because this is an easy one that comes to mind. Like, just shout out to covering at Clemson last year in Death Valley. Um, I am a, obviously partisan of Michigan Stadium and the Big House, and that is truly, truly one of the stadiums that rivals it, if not exceeds it. Um, and then we had barbecue at the Smoking Pig, and what was it? Really, some town I can't remember in South Carolina that barely qualifies as a town, but truly maybe the best barbecue it I've ever had. Might have been Brisketville. I really, yeah, like like Fatbackville or something, but it was delicious, delicious barbecue. They had a like sweet potato crunch is what it was called. If I'm right, that, that stuff was unreal. But oh, as, as far as like specific I memory, I as far as specific memory, Josh, Josh will appreciate this one. Uh, but rolling up with Josh and Josh Shub Seltzer, our photographer, after driving down to Wake Forest. To the Washaleskis in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Oh wow! And drinking some beers with shout out to Casey Casey Washaleski, uh, DL senior staff writer, in New York right now. Uh, her parents hosted us for the night. They have since, uh, but we roll up at like two two in the morning, coming from South Carolina, and we pull into their driveway four minutes like after they've gotten back from the casino. And we're just having some beers with Mr. Washaleski and uh, the family friend, Steve. Steve really... A Bell's Too Hard to Nail, a Michigan, yeah, Michigan brew. Yeah, founders, too. man. Um, but just a big shout-out to the Washaleskis for their hospitality. Like, honest to God, great people. Stayed there for, uh, I think, lacrosse last year. Similar experience. Steve was actually there again. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, that guy was amazing. But yeah, no, like Steve, you'll live on in my heart forever. Josh, I know you You have a similar appreciation for Steve. I, oh, that was a good one from Graham. Their dog is great Eric, too. Was the veggie lasagna I had this year with you? That was really good. Yeah. Or was it with you? It was, it was veggie lasagna at NC State. It was veggie lasagna yeah. at NC State. No, because the ve- I remember we we very purposely avoided the veggie lasagna. Oh, the the carrier carrier that yeah, the yeah. You were like, so we actually had good stuff I'll last give, week. Shout out. That still <laughs> might that be the really best. Good, yeah. So I I gave uh, Louisville on Twitter like oh, the yeah. best. Heinz uh, Field had the same setup last year. The best setup that we had this year. <laughs> they, Yankee Stadium was the best setup we had in two years. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, they're just... Notre Dame comes to town. Yeah. Mike Tirico's that was in the box. Like, yeah. They're um, pulling out. But Louisville had a carving station, which was nuts. I was super here for the, that. The, that man, and the guy was totally like excited to give you like a third piece. That's yeah. yeah. He was he, like, oh. The attitude's big. He's like, oh, you want another one? And I was well, like, of course I What he knew one. that we did is there were like four more roasts in the back that needed to get eaten. And what he didn't know that I did was that I'm in college and I haven't seen a carving station in months. At least not one, that, <laughs> not one that is just free for me to avail myself to. <laughs> um, but the veggie lasagna might have been like the best single. I was, yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, that was really. I cool. think that's what I'm it was. trying to think. Like, Heinz Field. How could two I have? Years ago was the, Heinz Field had. A I'm roast. talking this year. Okay. And I just did not anticipate the veggie lasagna to be that good. Maryland, Ma- the, the Maryland pasta salad. I tried it. I wasn't as sold on it as everybody else, but I get why they thought it was good. Really good. I don't know. I was didn't... it mayo based? No, it was the, no. It was like more Italian. Yeah, it was light. Oh, it was like yeah. a vinaigrette. That must have been so, yeah. so, so good. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, they had so like mozzarella hungry. in it too, like right? So it got like oh, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Didn't you and Stephen Bailey just go? They had like these box boxed lunches, and they'd like have a little thing in it. And they just went to the boxed lunches. Like by the end of the game, we're just opening yeah, them up and just so like good. taking the pasta salad out of them. Had a couple of leftover hot dogs in stadiums that were pretty good. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shout out Louisville. We got our beer. That was good. Yeah. Oh, I, I just had another. I thought of like a good memory. Oh, so the bowl game last year. 
Oh yeah, uh, the Airbnb. Oh, the Airbnb. I don't know if that ever made the podcast. Long live the Airbnb. In- um, the long, long story, extremely short. We stayed in probably the scariest Airbnb I will ever stay in, somewhere in Orlando. May or may not have double timed as a porn set. And can we say yeah, that? I was can just, we say that on the podcast? I was just gonna like, say it big. just looked like it was an adult film set, and right. I think that's pretty much. We'll leave it there. We well, we that actually was the scariest. We, no, can I say what the Uber driver said to us when he dropped us off from he the airport? Basically, we, told us not yeah, to come. Yeah, he's like, he's like, are you the not, Uber driver? Yeah. Is basically, like, don't be here. Yeah, he's like, are you from? Are you guys from here? We're like, no. He's like, don't hang around outside don't, too long. This isn't a great here? part of town. And then after the trip, we found out that. Our beloved former editor in chief Sam OG had actually spent more on the Airbnb than staying in the media hotel would have cost, which which, cool. which which we thought was just absolutely the funniest thing in the world at the time. <laughs> Eric, this may or may not be your last time on the DO Sportscast. Probably will be. I I don't think it will be. Oh, okay. I have so That's much tight. faith that next semester I will find a way to get you back on this podcast. When we write our four thousand word expose on something, something, yeah. But for now, a final thirty second sound off. Starting now. <laughs> so I'm gonna do my sound off um, on tattoos. Got my first one last week. Um, but I just want to shout out the guys in a Front Street tattoo, Red Big. I know they're listening. Um, <laughs> I'm just shocked at like how how like intelligent these guys are about tattoos. Also that they make like hundred k a year or around that, which is wild to me. Um, but they're just like super smart. I was was I was associated tattoos with a negative connotation, um, but I'm up on them. I think they're legitimately art, um, and I was just shocked at how like, knowledgeable people can be about them. No, this time is up. Can I ask him like you should follow for up for the please. audience? Like, what is your tattoo? Where'd you get it? Okay, so is there any meaning so, behind yeah, it? So, so the, since the tattoo, well, it's art, as Eric said, well, yeah. yeah so on. well, so art can't be art unless its purpose is to do nothing but be art. So, so I don't know what that means, but since I'm soft, um, I got a, a, the words be kind tattooed on my wrist. Um, they're in my aunt's handwriting. My aunt passed away a couple years ago. Um, and her thing was always like to be nice to people and stuff. So that was my, my, my reason behind That's this That's very one. sweet. That's yeah. cool. Thank you. I think the, uh, the tattoo artists are probably pretty happy that you announced their yearly salary on the internet as well. Yeah. That's, that's good for them. They're all listening. <laughs> well, they're, they're not listening, but our thousands of listeners will take that in. Andrew, what do you want a thousand, we'll call it 50,000 listeners, 20,000 more Screw comments. Screw it, 50, 50 million. Set, go. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a quick, quick shout out to, you know, early Christmas presents, because I actually think I'm going to, this is a little self-plotting, but I... Uh, my girlfriend's a huge Bills fan, and I swung two tickets for Bills-Ravens this weekend. Surprised her. And, you know, I just told her right away. I didn't wait. I didn't surprise. I was like, hey, look. Look what I just did. And it's cool. We're going to the game this weekend. I'm really excited. I get to watch. Uh, I saw Lamar Jackson play for Louisville my freshman year here, and now I'm going to watch him play for uh, the Baltimore Ravens on, on Sunday. That should be a fun game to be at. Um, it's it, yeah. The Ravens and the Bills, a know. pivotal AFC game. It's I'm, actually I'm supposed to be like 44. I'm trying cloudy, to decide. Which is really kind of, I wanted it to be like 16 and like, yeah. Five feet of visibility. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for the uh like the early Christmas gift, I think. Right. Like it's it's yeah, well, then, in, in on the like the, the reciprocal thing of then she was just like, so I'm just gonna ask you 
because there were like two options of what she was getting me. She's like, can I just tell you what it is so I can get you the version Well, this you is want? how like I, I like, do yeah, Christmas like, gifts with like a, my brothers. Right. We actually just I, send links. Yeah, I texted. Exactly. It's no, like, yeah, oh, I'm it's Cyber Monday. Understand this is 20% off. Please buy this. I texted me. my siblings the other day and I was like, get me this or this for Christmas. Right. Like I want this. You can afford this. Right. Get me this. I promise you I will be just as happy as if you got me something Aren't you else. excited to see my smile? Right. <laughs> but like I'm not going to ask for something I don't want. <laughs> but yeah. I, like it's really that simple. I guess this has been the last Dio Sports football podcast of 2019. Oh, we might be back for spring football, who knows. <laughs> when Dino Babers takes the USC That's job. 2020. Goodbye.